Hello, Cleveland. Welcome to another episode of the Dogland Podcast. I am your host, Anthony Jokey. I don't have Jack with me tonight, but I do have a very special guest. Uh, he's a good friend of ours. Uh, it's great to talk to him uh, as, as much as we are able to because he's a very busy man uh, over at the OBR and uh, the OBR Film Breakdown. He is Mr. Jake Burns. Jake, man, how we doing? I'm great, Anthony. Thanks for having me in. Always excited to, to stop by and check in. Yeah, it, it's uh, you know, it, we finally get football tomorrow night. I know it's preseason, but uh, you know, I I saw you talking on Twitter earlier about being tired of hype videos and, and all this stuff, and oh, yeah. <laughs> ready to to get the ball rolling and whatnot. So it's good that we actually get to watch a real football game tomorrow night. Yeah, pretty pumped about that, right? You get you just get tired of secondhand accounts of uh how people are playing and all that stuff. So it's, it's nice to get your own eyes on what's happening and um, you know, real football is better than, than fairy tale uh, of what this, uh, what other people are watching. So I'm always into some actual game footage, as you know. Oh, absolutely. And and it is hall of fame weekend. So I, I think we would be remiss not to lead with this really quickly, but um, you know, they are inducting Joe Thomas into the hall of fame. Do you have a favorite memory of Joe? Uh, from his entire time here? You know, I don't know that I have like a memory, a specific singular memory because Joe is like, you know, he was just, he played a position where anonymity was, was supreme. Right. So not remembering Joe is like the most important part of what he did. I think the thing that I'll always remember, which is going to be weird. I mean, but obviously, you know, you appreciate the nuance of what he was always able to do, but I think like his stance, like the way he was, he played in that really low crouch and he had like the, the hand inside the outside hand inside. Like I just will always, when I think of like what a dominant left tackle looks like, I will just always remember his unique stance that almost looked like a sprinter stance playing left tackle and how he was able to move out of that stance and, you know, block some of the the best defenders the game has ever seen. So not a unique, like singular game moment, but I would just like, again, like when I, as I grow older and, uh, you know, there's plenty of years there to grow older. I'll just always remember the way he lined up because it was just so, so super unique, you know? Yeah. It's hard to pick out like a favorite game moment for, for left tackle, but, um, uh, you know, always th- those, uh, you know, offensive linemen do a great job and Joe, you know, one of the best. And thankfully we drafted him instead of Brady Quinn at number three, that year, uh, I, I know we didn't have much success with them, but I can only imagine how much worse it would have been to uh, not have him for for all those years. And and you could even tell now, you know, since he's retired, we've been trying to you know get that position right. And uh, you know, a lot of expectations, you know, maybe unfairly on the guys that have been there, just because we were so blessed for so long uh, to have yeah. Hall of Fame caliber play uh, from Joe Thomas. So uh, you know, I, I I said if we have average to above average left tackle play that's that's pretty good and um you know it's just unfair to even try to compare anybody to to him it really is i mean it's uh it's a standard of play for so long that that it that makes it you know it just it just makes it hard for anybody to replicate that i mean again you you just you want to hear uh you don't you don't want to hear there the less you talk about like how much do you talk about joel batonio really on the field, right? You don't, you don't spend much time talking about what he does because, you know, like I said, the, the, the purpose of an offensive lineman is to never be talked about, right. Except for maybe 
you know, kind of people who study that sort of esoteric part of the game, but it's, it's anonymity and he's, he was so good, man. So good. So long. And it's just a shame. They didn't put together the things that they're putting together now while he was, while he was playing. Yeah. He, he got a brief taste of it in 07, you know, almost making the playoffs. And, and you know, unfortunately ever since then it was uh downhill from there. Um, you know, it, it was a shame that they weren't able to, but you know, this team, you know, as currently constructed, you know, could, could definitely make some noise. And, um, the Browns released their uh, a first official depth chart on Monday. I know it's a preseason, uh, and you have to take these things with a grain of salt. You even have to take them with a grain of salt as they release them every week throughout the season. But is there anything on there that that kind of struck you uh, that you noticed that you know a, a guy is ahead of this guy there or anything like that? I I don't think so. I think the thing that stands out the most uh, to me is that as far as listing their general outline for offense, they're now listing 11 personnel on paper instead of multiple tight end starters and and 12 personnel. So that stands out as a means by which they're going to play offense uh, more, more an uptick in 11, which I feel like I've been talking about for a pretty significant amount of time, but you know, sometimes it is, is missed right? You just want to see like what sort of pieces tell you they're going to do that. And they're finally sort of telling us they're going to do that. So that's a good sign to me uh, that stands out there. But otherwise, I think the thing that's great about this year in the depth chart, Anthony, and as opposed to different years is, is that they're, they're doing a really good job of, of filling roster spots. So there aren't any surprises, right? I think that's what is something that, at least to me, that's pretty unique that they're, they're doing a great job of, of filling all these holes so that there aren't a bunch of guesses at position. So I don't, I, again, I don't think that there's uh, anything crazy about the depth chart because it's mostly things that we know. So I feel pretty good about where that thing is. And, um, you know, as long as they get their linebackers back healthy, which they seem pretty in, uh, encouraged by at this point, there'll be a lot of guys that we're familiar with. And that's what it should be for good teams, right? Is uh, a bunch of familiarity. Yeah. It's, it's nice to, you know, have that continuity, you know, it's been a, I don't know if we've ever really had it since since '99. You know, no. it's it's been a really no. tough stretch uh, to have you know the same guys year after year because you know after two years the GM gets fired, the coach gets fired, the new guy comes in, they they bring their own people in. So you know to have you know the same coach for for uh, quite a few years now is it, a nice thing to have. So you get that continuity. Uh, you mentioned the injuries with the linebackers. There's another guy coming back from injury uh, that that's listed as a starter and that's Jakeen Grant um on the depth chart. So I, I wonder, you know, how hampered they were last year not having him because I think they had a lot of plans for him um to be on the field and unfortunately he suffered that uh, injury early on. Um so it's good to see him uh in that first spot to, at kick return and punt return. Yeah, I, I, he's an all pro guy at that that role, right? He's done that for for a long time in the NFL. So they they certainly would prefer it. But to the point of like was mentioning this earlier this week on my podcast that that they uh, obviously are, are going to feel some of the effects there of Marquise Goodwin's absence. But like, I think there's a good chance Jakeem Grant can do some of those things, maybe like five to seven routes a game that he can do something similar for you. So I think that at this point, I'm expecting Jakeem Grant to make the team. I'm not sure he returns kicks because I think they really might like Jerome Ford to keep doing that, but at least securing and anchoring the punt return duties will be a thing. And then I think they can find a way to put him on the field to run vertically here and there every now and again, too, to kind of handle, like I said, some of that. And it's obviously Marquis Goodwin's better at it, 
but Jakeem can can certainly do that in a in a sort of spot basis. So um, yeah, he's been around the league a while, and guys like that, and Marquise is the same way. That's not by accident. They can really run, and they're really good at the role that they've carved out. So that they'll use them for sure. You feel that with a, a lot of guys on a roster that, um, especially with the receivers per se, uh, and you can include Njoku in this. There's guys that have a specific role in this offense uh, to where they could u- really utilize it from week to week and, and have various game plans. Yeah, they can run multiple tight end game plans. Obviously, Jordan Akins and, and Harrison Bryan are more than capable. So if they want to, if they want to force a team with rough linebacker and safety play, safety depth to get out there and play those guys more often, they can certainly do that. There's uh, the ability for them to play 11 personnel and, and force the team to play more defensive backs on the field. Cause maybe they want to spread them out and give Nick a bit more open field to work with. They can, they can push David out vertically, uh, obviously, sorry, horizontally push them out wide. They can do a bunch of unique things. I think that they've got the ability to play uh, multiple brands of football in a way they haven't in the past where they feel much better about their 11 personnel opportunities this year, including Elijah Moore in that group. So uh, yeah, I, 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 there, I think there's a lot of reasons to be uh, pretty healthy, encouraged about, their ability to be uh, multifaceted, right? I think this is the deepest they've been at pass catcher since they've uh, since the arrival of Kevin. Yeah, and you have all that that talent uh, at the positions around the quarterback position, and then you have a quarterback that can take off and run and, and really, you know, break defenses at, at specific times. I know we talked about training camp clips for a second and whatnot, <laughs> but um, you put out an article. Uh, I want to say it was late last week about Elijah Moore and breaking down one of the. Uh, I think it was a goal line uh, clip of a route that he ran. Um, is there anything that you've seen, you know, I, I know you can see very limited things from these training camp clips and whatnot, but uh, is there anything you've noticed in these clips, whether it be offense or defense, that really excites you uh, about some of these guys in training camp? Um, I mean, I would say that more has been the most exciting piece of it. Again, the expectations start to get a little bananas. Um, you know, a little bananas with what people are thinking he's going to do, but he does have some versatility, some uniqueness to his game that is going to allow them to uh, sort of line him up in a bunch of different places. So you're obviously excited about him. I think they can do similar things with Akins and Njoku. If they play those guys together, put one in the slot. Akins is a really good athlete, um, not necessarily a great blocker, but a good athlete that they can put out in space to do some things. So he uh, obviously excites me. I think Tillman can play, both Z and X, which allows them to play, you know, a bunch of different roles and sub packages for them. So that excites me. And I, and again, like that versatility allows them to play a bunch of different stuff, add on a bunch of different formations and a bunch of different ways of attacking defenses they have not had. So we've seen some of it, you know, I've seen like, uh, I, I've kind of been in depth about some of the read option stuff I've seen from them, you know, already with sort of zone reads and then speed options with the quarterback halfback kind of leaking out the backside for a quick pitch and gain, like, they're going to be much different in terms of just there will be parts of this thing, Anthony, that look the same, like things that they do duo under center. They'll do wide zone here and there. They'll sprinkle in bootleg off of it. But then they're just going to have uh, more things in their back pocket to attack defenses and the structure of a defense. If they're trying to take away one thing as a defense, you know, they're going to have actual counter punches that I don't think they've had in a really long time. So encouraged by that a lot. And I think we've started to see you know, from a limited basis of what you can see in camp, the ways in which they can do that, the, the wrinkles that come with zone reads and uh, different different sort of quarterback read pulls and then the, the passing element off of RPOs too. So just uh, just a different way to attack numbers of a defense, which is what you want to be able to do in the NFL. 
And, and a lot of that falls on Kevin, right? You know, he's the one that has to play the chess match uh, with everybody. If the defenses try to take away one thing, you know, it's his job to, you know, react to that and and counter that as best as he can. But it's also on the players to execute it too. You know, you could scheme all these things, and but the players need to make the plays as well. They do, yeah. It's it's. <laughs> there's a really good podcast out right now over at the Athletic Football Show by Jordan Rodriguez called The Play Callers, and some of the best young play callers in the NFL talk about that all the time, man, where they're, you know, we could put a guys in the right position. Often you can do, um, you know, the right play, right time, all of it. But, but sometimes it's just about calling plays where your guys step up to the plate and answer defense takes it away. You still find an answer. And that's, that's the beauty of football is that, that if your guys are good enough, they can still execute despite the odds being stacked against them. And that's why you go pursue a quarterback like Watson you do all the things that go with that decision because you're trying to find a guy who, when the defense takes away answers A and B, still has a bit, it, the ability to get to C, whatever C is, whether that's a backside read, a backside throw, breaking a sack, getting out and scrambling. Uh, that's what you need, and that's what that's why teams are always hunting quarterbacks that can do that stuff. Yeah, I mean, if you have a a really fancy car, a really high performance car, but the tires on it are bad, you're going to crash and burn. So. You know, yep. you, you got to be able to have the, the players, you know, make these plays. And, you know, Kevin can call, call the, the greatest play call in the world, and, and it could go wrong very quickly, uh, you know, just based on, on player performance. Is there anything on the defense that you've seen? Because we do have a new defensive coordinator, Jim Schwartz, and I know a lot of us are extremely excited about that. Um, you know, excited for guys like Miles and Denzel to maybe just take another leap, uh, you know, in this defense. Is there anything that you've seen, um, you know, with the limited stuff that we have that that gets you excited? I mean, you, you, when you get those guys out there in a pass front, right? So Zadarius and Ogbo and all of those guys on the field together, that's a fun, that's a fun looking group. I've seen some glimpses of that, which is encouraging. They have been not only talking about man-to-man, but they've been putting it out there a lot. So I think, like I said, the defense is going to feel different because they are going to put themselves on islands more often and uh, try to take advantage of pass rush in a couple extra seconds by playing some man coverage. So those are the things, the glimpses I have seen so far. Very limited because the defense, they're so often shooting the the little clips you see are so often being shot from sort of behind um, the offense, which gives you limited scope of what the defense is doing. But I do think you're going to see what they're saying, and I've noticed too, which is an uptick in man-to-man and the pass rush stuff is going to be chaotic, and that'll be different than what we've seen before. That was something that me and Jack talked about on our last show is that, you know, you have these guys out there, you know, uh, Denzel and Miles and and whatnot, that you don't have to have all the extreme bells and whistles on a defense. You know, you could line up Denzel there on the outside and man-to-man, and, and you could let talent win nine times out of ten. Uh, you don't have to do, you know, these crazy coverages or anything to to really confuse people. You know, you just let the talent go out there and, and, and let them beat the other guy one on one. Yeah, that's the the part that is the most exciting, Anthony. Is that as you look at this, you know, they now have guys who can win. You know, the most frustrating thing as a play caller is feeling like you have to make the perfect play call all the time. I really do think they're at the best spot that they've been in in a really long time of between Elijah, between Donovan's development, between who Amari Cooper is and David and all of the above, and even adding David Bell into that group too, they're deeper than they've been in a long time, and they do have guys who can create and get open. And on the defensive side, like they do have guys that can stick with you It's as far as the skill position goes at corner. And, and they like this Cameron Mitchell, the rookie as well. So 
Uh, they're deep, man. They're deep at the skill position, pass catchers and pass defenders, and that's what you need. When you look at this roster, and we know, you know, all the pressure on Deshaun Watson this year, you know, I, I know it's kind of a maybe a clean slate with how, you know, last year was with the suspension and all that and how that went down. Is there another guy outside of Deshaun um, that, that had player or coach, you know, that has the most pressure heading into the season? Well, I mean, it's, it's Kevin. I mean, I've gone through this sort of with uh, my, my side of the pod as well. We're like, I mean, I, I think Deshaun is, is from an organizational power rankings perspective, you know, he's, he's in pretty good shape. Like I don't, I don't foresee him having any issue with, with uh, coming back and, and being in the right position. Kevin has to not only win games, Anthony, Kevin has to be a catalyst for helping the offense reach new levels. Like, is there's a, there are several different routes here where the Browns can be decent and Kevin, they still might feel inclined to move on from. He has to bring out the best out of Watson. He has to be able to answer the bell about some of the other things around, not just his offense, but the defense special teams and decision-making of those groups. So I firmly believe that, yeah, Watson has pressure. He needs to get back in the right side of public opinion, as far as a player goes and all of that. And that's there, but if he doesn't, it's pretty easy for Deshaun and the group in Cleveland to make excuses for why that wouldn't happen. And the leading thing that you would point at is the play caller and head coach as, as, as a means for some of those issues. So I think Kevin has the most pressure of anybody in the organization. I really do. They've replaced the DC and the special teams coach with two guys who are pretty universally respected across the NFL, two guys who people think can coach really well. And if, and if things fall apart and that offense isn't very good this year, uh, it's going to be a lot of finger pointing back at Kevin, uh, less so uh, Deshaun. And I think that Deshaun would survive that scenario and obviously get a chance to work with another head coach where I don't think that the offense is bad. Kevin gets to survive that scenario. So they need to be good offensively. Yeah, I would imagine, you know, Andrew Barry survives that too, because if I remember right, he was here after they hired Kevin. So, you know, that's correct. And, they were not a tandem hire. They, they hired Kevin, then Andrew. Right. So, you know, Andrew may get the chance to, um, you know, hire his own head coach, somebody that would work well with, you know, Deshaun, who, you know, Andrew made that trade as well. So, hey, you know, you're right. It's all, you know, all on Kevin. And I know, you know, the seat got a little warm last year, uh, but, you know, they, they did move on foreign coordinators. And I think that's going to make a huge difference, um, you know, especially the on the defensive side. I think that's going to just make an incredible difference, uh, you know, starting week one against Cincinnati. Uh, that we'll be able to see so you know it, it's exciting but you know the the pressure uh, to quote uh fred mcleod uh you know pressure bursts pipes and if this pipe bursts you know in the offense it, it's not going to be pretty so hopefully they can get everything no. together here um like i mentioned earlier we do have a football game tomorrow it is a hall of fame game we're not going to see you know the guys we want to see uh at all however is there anything that you're looking to take away from this game tomorrow because there are, you know, a lot of players fighting for roster spots, you know, you know, probably spots 50 to 55, uh, I think is what they have on the roster. Is there anything in particular you're looking forward to besides that we just get football? <laughs> well, the just getting football part of it is pretty sweet, isn't it? Um, yeah, this is just such a kickoff to football season in general where, you know, it's, it's, it's a meaningless game. It'll come and go, but the Browns are in it for the first time and, you know, 24 years and that part of it's really cool. Cause obviously we know Canton and we know the the cool weekend it's set up to be for Joe and all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, as far as players go, you, you really excited to watch 
at least for me, you're excited to watch Dorian Thompson Robinson. I think that that's an exciting part of things. Um, you know, what, what kind of explosive player can he be? Um, I think you're excited to watch, you know, Dewan Jones in the rookie class, Cedric Tillman should get some time. You're going to get a chance to see guys who I do think will be in, you know, very key substitution roles. And anytime you get an extra preseason game, it's great that you still get three after this game. You're excited to see how some of those guys look and and some of the baseline stuff. And, you know, obviously when you're playing Kellen Mond and DTR, you're going to run some of the stuff that you're going to run offensively. You're going to run some of those things, like some of the newer structure plans you have. You're just going to have to do that stuff. So I think that part of it will be really cool too, Anthony. So there's going to be, you know, there's there's definitely reasons to, to sort of pick this game apart, even though it's meaningless in the grand scope. Do you expect the play calls and everything to be pretty vanilla uh, tomorrow night, or do you think that we're going to get a, a maybe a, a little glimpse of some of the things that we'll see this season? You might get a little glimpse, but I do I do think like the, the preseason always been really really dry from Kevin. I don't think that will change uh, all too much, but I do think they will work through a couple different areas that they want to keep working at. Um, predominantly maybe wrinkling in some quarterback run element into what they do, but yeah, I, I don't think you're going to see a bunch of stuff that sort of blows you out of your seat or anything like that. I think it'll be pretty dry. Well, you, you know, it should be a, a very, it's a, like you said, it's a good kickoff to to a great weekend uh, for the city can, uh, you know, for Joe. So uh, I'm curious to see if they do anything tomorrow night for Jim Brown. I know they had mentioned something uh, doing some sort of celebration this weekend for him as well. So we'll see if, uh, you know, they talk about that on the broadcast uh, because they, they're going to have a lot of time to fill uh, for the hall of fame game. So I'd imagine they'll, they'll, Sit down with some of the Hall of Fame guys and, and you know, maybe bring up uh, Jim Brown as well, uh, which, you know, they, they should rightfully do. So, um, you know, in that game, you know, you, you talked about some of the, the playmakers, you know, and some of the rookie class. Uh, what are the guys, you know, there's plenty of guys that are going to be on the bubble, you know, probably uh, upwards of, you know, 40 guys or so that are really fighting for those last few spots. Uh, who needs to put a strong preseason together to, you know, make this roster and claim one of those final spots? That's a good question. Um, you know, I think that, like you said earlier with Jakeem Grant and Jalen Darden, I know Darden's a little beat up, but that that's a spot that interests me. Nick Harris and Luke Whipler, who comes out of that group, sort of also the backup guards, Michael Dunn, Drew Forbes. Those guys are interesting to me. Who anchors the the backup guard role? You know, Isaiah Thomas is sort of fighting for his NFL career. So what does he look like? And, and you know, lights are shining here. Uh, he could obviously be a practice squad guy, but he's on the roster last year. I'm sure he wants to make it again. So if they keep five, does he have a chance? Linebacker group will be a bit thin, but Jordan uh, Kunizic is obviously a guy that they really like. We'll see if he ends up playing much, but uh, we'll have to pay attention to if any linebackers stand out in those regards. And then, like I said, Cameron Mitchell, you want to see if that guy has a real chance to play a role this year. Uh, and, and then, you know, is D'Anthony Bell going to continue to be the future of safety? You know, that that safety depth role that they had brought him into last year, or do they find something from Roddy Hickman or someone of the like back there uh, as well? So, yeah, there, there's still some of those fringe 53 to pay attention to. And you're also looking to identify guys that they'll like on the practice squad. And I think there's opportunity to soak that in as well. You also have a very crowded uh, defensive tackle room uh, and maybe not the most extremely talented one, but it is crowded. So you have guys like Tristan Hill, Maurice Hurst, uh, Sam Kamara, uh, Michael uh, Doomfor. I think that's how you say it last time. I'm terrible with names, you know, and you have Ika, the, the rookie. So, you know, you got a lot of guys in, in that room as well that, 
uh, you know, you're probably going to keep what four of those guys, maybe five, you know, because you yeah. do have the flexibility, you know, with, with you know having Ogbo on the outside, maybe kicking Miles inside uh, for a down or two. So you know, maybe they decide to you know maybe keep four at that spot. Yeah, I, I, the the defensive line will be interesting. I mean, we we saw Shelby Harris visit. We're certainly hopeful that you know that they can bring in one more meaningful player there. But yeah, there, there's guys that the the veterans Tristan Hill and Maurice Hurst are going to battle, right? They're definitely going to be battling for that opportunity at that spot. Um, you know, as well as like Tommy Togiai's fighting for his career and some of those others in the fringe spot. They're they're open to any answer. They want just somebody to separate themselves in that group. So. Yeah, I mean the the interior and just kind of feeling out how they handle the run in general, right, is going to be of of particular interest for this group for sure. Especially with the uh, disaster it was last season uh, against the run, I, I still have nightmares about that Falcons game. Just <laughs> yeah, all those all, get, all those guys just running all over us. Um, do you buy? Uh, Shelby Harris came in for a visit the other day. Uh, what would you think if they were to sign him and how that would fit in there? It'd be great. I mean, I think he could be a really nice three technique to what uh, you know what they they get typically are going to get out of Dalvin Tomlinson, but he can also rotate more inside as well and handle that role and and give somebody else like Jordan Elliott a chance to play three or even even um, you know give give Tomlinson a chance to bump out wide and rush a little bit from wider. So yeah, I mean he'd be a great fit. I, I certainly believe he'd be a great fit. And there's other names out there too, not not just Shelby Harris, but they need to bring in one of them, in my opinion, to get the most out of this edge group and give these these DBs a chance to to really lock on and play some of that man to man. We think is going to be really good for them. So uh, Shelby Harris is a good start. They could sign him, and that'd be a nice that'd be a nice addition to what they're doing this year. But I certainly would would hope for a little bit more on that one. But uh, but but yeah, I mean they they have to come up with something. I don't think they can just roll into this year with the group they have. Yeah, I know. We're we're still wondering what's going to happen with uh, Mr. Ioannidis. That, that seems to be, mm-hmm. you know, the most popular name, you know, since, since even free agency started, you know. Uh, we're, we're wondering how, how that's all going to shake out. And you know, me and Jack talked about, too, maybe there's a guy on another team that, you know, maybe gets cut that they like uh, mm-hmm. with, with roster cut down. So we will pay attention to that one day, uh, turn the rosters down later on uh, before the season starts. Um, you know, I, I don't think this might be the shortest pod we've ever had with you. You know, I, I know we, we like to, you know, go long and, and you know, 45 minutes or so, but uh, we, we banged this out in a half hour tonight. So um, I know you, so you had, can tell we're still in the preseason. Yeah. We, we, don't, we don't have all that much to hit on yet. Well, that, and uh, uh, we, you know, we get a little more long winded as the season goes along. So, you know, we gotta, we gotta go in spurts here. Cause if we did 60 minutes, you know, from the, from the get go, man, we're going to get burned out by uh, the second <laughs> week of November. So That's um, right. I know you're a very busy man over at the OBR and, if you want to give us a rundown of what you got going on, uh, the new cool OBR feature, the the daily thing that they have, uh, you know, that has yeah. everything in one place. If you want to go ahead and, uh, you know, give all that a good plug. Yeah. So we're doing a little daily newswire endeavor, which is kind of like everything collected around the Browns every day in one succinct spot. So we're doing that, which is a really cool feature of keeping, you know, people who care about maybe can't follow Twitter or can't follow every single piece of social news, a place to just go to whenever they want to throughout the day to find what's happening. So yeah, that's a part of it. Still doing my OBR film breakdown podcast, which is an everyday endeavor. Uh, hasn't killed me yet, even though there's been some days where I thought it might. So that's another part that's still out there every day. And um, 
yeah, that's about it, man. We're, we're still doing everything we can at the OBR to cover the thing from every angle. And I think we're doing okay. And I, you know, like I said at the beginning, I appreciate any time I get to spend with you fellas, love the pod, love the work you do. And, and I'm, I'm happy to join anytime. I did see that they have a great deal going on for VIP. So definitely take advantage of that. I think I saw it's like 75% off at the moment. So uh, yeah. if, if you guys really enjoyed the OBR, you know, now's the time to maybe, you know, renew that subscription over there. All right, Jake, I appreciate it. Uh, you guys can always follow Jake on Twitter. It's or X or whatever the hell you want to call it <laughs> nowadays. If I remember right. It's yeah. Jake underscore Burns 18. That's uh, correct. Yeah. All right. Over on X, whatever over, it is. Over on days. X. My goodness. Oh, that's, that, that's <laughs> another disaster. Uh, it sure is. Uh, we'll see how that all turns out. But uh, always uh, be sure to give me a follow as well at Anthony Jokey, the podcast at the Dogland. Uh, on X, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, threads that might take off. We'll see um, all the same handle over there. Uh, with all that, we're going to get on out of here. Jake, I very much appreciate it. Like you said, it's it's always great to talk to you. I, I think we've known each other for five or six years now uh, that we've been talking. So um, you're, you're one of the originals with us, you know, when it was still uh, the 1085 Gridiron Podcast all, all those years ago. Great. Um, so it's always great to talk to you. I appreciate it. Uh, with that, we're going to get on out of here. Uh, we got the hall of fame game tomorrow night, so we can finally say, uh, just about less than 24 hours now until game time. Go Browns. Go Browns.